right. Hey, welcome to another episode of NBA Real Talk. Uh, we have a special guest today. We have our guy, Trend Blackledge. Uh, little bio on Trend. Trend's played at Marquette from 06 to 09. He is a 6'9", stretch 3, 4, you name it, jack of all trades. Um, he's 33 years old, played 10 years in Japan. He's been playing overseas. He's going to give us a lot of insights that the everyday fan would be clueless about. And he played with Jimmy Butler, Wes Matthews, Lazar Hayward, Dominic James. So some big-time players. He's from Carbondale, Illinois. Not much to do out in Carbondale, huh? Except hoops and... Hoops and cornfields, baby. Cornfields, farm country. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's with us today. He's going to give us some solid insights. And we're just going to have fun with this. So take it away, Spence. Okay, Trent. So first thing we would love to talk to you about is breaking down. You mentioned uh, off air that you've got a relationship with Jimmy Butler. Um, talk to us about what that's like, what it was like to play with him. Um, catching up with him since you played with him and, and what, what that all looks like. All right. Um, well, I've been knowing Jimmy since the first day he stepped on campus. I remember when he came on his visit. Uh, funny kid, different kid. Different uh, how so? Just not your average black kid from Houston, to say the least. I know he loves country music. See? Country yep. music. Like, I remember a big deal with Jimmy when we were in college was Hannah Montana. <laughs> he likes Hannah Montana? He was dead serious about Hannah Montana. He was sitting watching, and I'd be like, bro, turn this off. Like, what are we doing? But he's just a different type <laughs> of guy. Uh, cowboy kind of type of guy. Like, he wears cowboy hats and cowboy From boots. Houston? Like, he's not, like, if you ever see him in that stuff, like, he's serious. It's not a game. It's not a joke. Like, that's who he is. Um, But... Does he kind of keep to himself, or is he an open book? Um, it depends. If, if he lets you in his circle, yeah. the way Jimmy grew up, I don't know if you all know his story, but his mom kicked him out of his house at, I think, 12, 13, Whoa. and was just like, you got to get out. And he was like, what do you mean? She was like, you got to go. Like, you're not staying here anymore. So he was homeless, and he bounced around and spent the night at this friend's house for three days, and then he spent at another guy's house for a couple of days. So oh, wow, his trust factor is... You know, that's your mother, the person that's supposed to love you regardless, unconditionally. So when that person kicks you out, who else would you trust? Like, how can you trust another person? So once you in his circle, he trusts you and he's open, he's talkative, he's goofy, he laughs a lot, he jokes a lot. Uh, very blunt person, if you guys have oh, yeah, we can heard see his that. interviews. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's straight to it. He's, I actually respect that, though. Because, you know, you have all these players that are trying to be politically correct all the time. They just want to, they're trying to play both sides. He lets you know, he's transparent. He lets you know what he's thinking all the time. Like his story in Minnesota, I think is cool. Where he calls everyone out for not working like he was. Listen, that's my favorite part of Jimmy. Jimmy tells it how it is. And he's always been that way. Even when he first got to campus and he wasn't that good. He still was very blunt, and we'd think, like, oh, this kid? Like, who are you talking to? Yeah, because you were a couple years ahead of him, right? Yeah, I'm, I think, four years older than Jimmy. Okay. So, yeah, And he, he transferred from JC, right? Yeah, he went to a junior college out in uh, Tomball, Texas, I believe. Okay. So how does he get 
hooked up with how does he get recruited to Marquette in the first place? Um, like I can't imagine Tom Crean or Buzz Williams going, Hey, we need a we got our eyes on this guy from some J C. So Buzz actually was Jimmy's recruit and we originally signed a guy that went to the JUCO with him, a guy named Joe Foe, six seven, freakish athlete, just jumped out of the gym. And every time Buzz would go see um, Joe, yeah, Joe would get all these amazing highlight dunks, but Jimmy would be the guy scoring 24 points and eight rebounds and fives. Like, Jimmy did everything, and he was like, yeah, we got this kid, but his teammate is, we may want to check him out. So he did all the dirty work. There was no flash to his game. He just did everything, man. And Buzz kind of fell in love with Jimmy, too. So we ended up signing both of the kids. And... We had high expectations for Joe coming in right away, and he just didn't pan out. And just Jimmy kind of just slowly, slowly took Joe's like shine, took his position, man, and, and took his minutes. And it just but his game there. back then was nothing like oh, it you, is today. You wouldn't right? recognize him because I remember because I'm a big college basketball guru, and I remember thinking he's getting better, but it's kind of a weird game there was it wasn't he like you said he was gonna do he was gonna outwork you but he didn't do any one thing particularly well I didn't think bro honest to God story when Jimmy got to campus he couldn't shoot a shot outside of 15 feet wow he would not shoot it like we would literally yell at him Jimmy shoot that three shoot that three bro like, it got to the point where we would just stand at the free throw line and make them, like, shoot it. <laughs> was it a mental block or did the coach say, hey, look. No, no, no. This they, is pickup. This is summer pickup where you're free. Oh, just, yeah. just hooping the stand yeah, shape. That's, that's weird. Jimmy would not shoot it. We would yell at him, bro, you have to learn how to shoot this shot. And I don't know, man. He's a worker. You see how he shoots now. He doesn't even yeah. think about shooting it. He's a worker. He worked his ass off. Yeah, he's composed. He's a worker. And it, it's... The first year, I think, he probably didn't shoot any jump shots. Probably not one. The second year, he would shoot a few. By the time his senior year, because he only did three years, he was making threes, making step backs. Like, But that was just the work he put in, man. The have grunt. you seen a harder worker? Like, have you played with a guy that works oh. that hard? Well, remember what he's telling you? Remember, we're talking the other day, and he goes, he's telling you about his workout routine. He's up at 4 a.m. And even you said, and this is coming from another pro basketball player it's like look 4 a.m are you kidding me (laughs) right yeah i don't know if i could do four like it's it's a it's a different type of discipline but to answer the question wes wes wes's work ethic is up there but i think i think jimmy's just a little bit a little more dialed in just a little bit like when um when we were fresh out and I would go work out with Wes, we were we were up at six a decent time and we'd go shoot Pilates, lift, lunch, go back and shoot again. So it's it's up there, but Jimmy's just a different animal, man. I mean, Wes has what ten plus years in the NBA. Yep. But Jimmy's eight years, five All Stars. Yep. So we could say perennial All Star. I mean, he's but that's the next there. level, right? Yeah, like that's the difference between working out at four a.m. and six. Well, and it, what's interesting is Wes and Jimmy both just totally overlooked, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, but Wes's story is actually a lot different than Jimmy. 
Like, let's yeah. talk about Wes in a sec, where he totally fell through the cracks, yeah. caught a lot of the right breaks. Jimmy earned everything. Like, Jimmy's a first-round pick. 100%. He's the last pick of the first round, but yeah. first round's first round. Still three years guaranteed. So, there's a difference. There's a huge difference. Agreed. So, when you caught up with him, when you guys went to dinner, what what was his take? I mean, first of all, he's coming to Utah. By the way, this podcast, we live in Utah. We're based out of Utah. Yeah. Um. I mean, do you guys just get to catch up like everything's cool, like old times, or yeah, um, is he giving you kind of the inside scoop like, hey, look, I don't like it here. No. I want to be the man somewhere else, or, you, you know. You got to remember now, he already has a, a not bad, but a, a strange reputation yeah. in the league, so he has to be careful who he, he says yeah. certain stuff to. Like, I'm one of them guys, he know I'm not finna call ESPN or, and be like, oh, Jimmy said this, and like, it's, it's not happening, but. He talk. He keeps it real with me, man. Like I talk to Jimmy probably maybe once a month. You know, we text and every now and then we'll Facetime and laugh. But um, coming in a few weeks ago, they play the Jazz, like you said. And uh, I just hit him and said, "Bro, if you want to go to dinner or lunch or something, let me know." And he's like, "All right, we can do dinner." So me, him, and my wife went to dinner and just just talk, just shoot the shit, just like I talk with yeah. you guys. I just sit and talk, and yep. laugh, and bring up old stories and stuff. And he talked about uh. He talked about the Minnesota situation, and he talked about the Philadelphia situation. And Is the Minnesota situation what we think it is? That he was the only one that really took his craft seriously? It, He's a, playing with a bunch of kids out there? It's as simple as, I'm the best player. I took you guys to the playoffs last year. Pay me my money. They didn't want to give him the full max, but they gave... Your man, the Max. Yeah, Wiggins. And then they gave Cat the Max, which is deservingly. And just to preface, we hate Wiggins' game. We've talked about this earlier. (laughs) But that dude is empty stats. He's the king of Chuck. But anyways. But yeah, so he just felt like, I'm the best player. Y'all giving the young guys the money. Give me my money. They didn't want to do so. What was his take on Tibbs? He he loves Tibbs. Tibbs is his guy. Yeah. Why though? Well, well he got remember Tibbs drafted him. Now, oh, yeah. So yeah, for true. his first four or five years, all he knew was Tibbs. Yeah. But because them being known for a defensive team, Tibbs being a defensive coach. But Jimmy's kind of a defensive guy. No, no, too, no. Though. He is, but that team wasn't. No, right. The, the personnel which, was which not has defense. got to drive a guy like Jimmy nuts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Huh. So it was, just, it was just a matter of money, I think, to a certain extent. And then it's just like respect, you know, like, come on, guys. We haven't been to the playoffs since KG was here. Hey, his story. So he he does his podcast with he got on this podcast with JJ Reddick because, you know, they're mm-hmm. teammates now. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny or just so eye opening to me when he was he was totally candid with JJ. And, you know, early on when there was just that drama or at least the media portrays it as being so much drama. Jimmy's a problem, whatever. When Jimmy's telling everyone at practice, he he's like, I'm the guy, I'm the best player, whatever. So the story is, the way he tells it, or he told JJ was, they're scrimmaging, and Tibbs wants him on first team, but he doesn't want to be on first team. He wants to be on the third team. He wants to play with all the scrubs to prove to them that he's the top dog. So when he plays with them, he absolutely killed. And the funny thing is a lot of people understood it to where uh, he was going off, he was getting buckets, and he goes, no, the thing that no one mentioned is I only shot one time. Yep, I only shot one time. He's like, I shut Wiggins down. Teague wasn't getting around. 
he wasn't splitting any picks. He wasn't going anywhere with the dribble. I was bodying Cat, you know. To and and we talk about this all the time. I'm a huge advocate for if your shot's not falling, you have to have a good floor game. You have to impact the game other ways. Mm-hmm. The reason I love Jimmy Butler is because he's that guy. Yep. He will find ways to hurt you. Not Wiggins where it's, hey, I'm going to shoot 20 times, I'm hitting or I'm not, but that's it. Yep. He doesn't do anything mm-hmm. else. Jimmy cares. So, what, yeah. what do you what, so, Trent, talk about that story? Oh, I FaceTimed him maybe two or three days later after that the story broke out. <laughs> but that's, he, that's he true, told, right? That's exactly what he told me. He said, yeah. bro, I only shot one shot. And I was like, what? He was like, man, I was out there playing with the guys that's trying out for the team. He said, not the second team, the third team, like the guys that are just at vet camp trying to catch a deal in the league. And killing. He said, and we won and only shot one shot. And I'm like, how? He's like, bro, you got to remember, I haven't been practicing in weeks, so I'm rusty, my timing's off. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and he in said, the meantime, all I did was talk. And in the meantime... In the meantime, to get run in, he goes, not a lot of people know this except for, you know, all of all the dudes I was playing hoops with at Lifetime Fitness. Yeah. He was getting runs in at Lifetime. And he said he'd show up there and he'd play like at 6 a.m. And everyone lacing up their shoes were like, hey, are you lost? <laughs> like, you don't, you shouldn't be here with us. And he just said, he just loves the game and takes mm-hmm. it serious. Doesn't matter what level, he's always going to get his work in, and that to me, you love that speaks volumes. You have oh. to respect it. You have to. You have to. So at the end of that uh, practice where he did that, how, well, how did it end? Because I've heard a couple different things. Did he talk about that? He didn't tell me exactly how it ended. No. I, I heard he kind of he, he stormed out and was like, "Hey, this is it for me." But I bet his playing did the talking. You know? Yeah. I don't. I just think that you know how the media is. They're going to twist. They all have their agenda. So they'll try to make him look bad. I actually would side with Jimmy because that's the kind of guy, if I'm playing, I want him on my team. And I want someone, if I make a bonehead play, to get after me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to hold me accountable, not to just, uh, you know, you get yours, I'll get mine, you know. So, Trent, what's his take on Philly? Do you it's, think that- It's funny because, like, I know Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And I've been knowing Jimmy for a long time. He gave he gave me like some vague, yeah. I wouldn't say politically correct answers, but he gave me like some vague type answers. And I'm like, come on, Jimmy, you're talking to me. I know basketball. I know you. So like, bro, just keep it real with me. But he was just saying like Philly's cool. Um, he doesn't mind the city. He likes the city. You know, Philly's a hardworking. It's blue cold. Collar. It's cold. He's tired of beating the cold. Yeah, from so, Houston. Um. And he was just saying he liked the young guys, he liked the young pieces. What's he think of Simmons? He loves Ben. Really? He loves Ben. Ben's his guy. Does he? Can he explain why Ben can't shoot outside of no <laughs> six I feet? And you know what? I should have asked him. I yeah. didn't ask him. I didn't ask. Him. I mean, it's obvious. I we, mean, we hoop. You you can't shoot. You can't shoot. But like, how does yeah. how does someone enjoy? Why would someone ever play hoops to begin with if you can't shoot? That's, I mean, but he's another guy that. Hey, I hate to say it, because I was on the Donovan Mitchell bandwagon, mm-hmm. but he fills out his stat sheet so well. I mean, he averages almost a triple-double, and it's always quiet. You know, it's like, wow, he had 15 assists, 15 rebounds, and 15 points. It's, it's quiet yeah. because the scoring's not there. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? Only thing that's loud in the NBA is scoring, dunks, deep threes. Everything else is kind of 
10 minutes go by, oh, he got 14 points already? Yeah, crazy, huh? So if it's not deep threes or, like, hard dunks, you really don't, you know, it yeah, doesn't stand notice. out as much, you know? So with the Sixers trend, what what's your take on them? Like, not necessarily from Jimmy's perspective, but I, I kind of think they're an odd fit a little bit, but what's your take on, on them as a team and, and where they might go? The The problem is they have three guys that are most successful when they're ball dominant. Yeah. Ben needs the ball. Jimmy needs the ball. Joel needs the ball. So when you got these three guys that are ball dominant and nobody's a for sure knockdown, stretch the four, three-point shooter, it, it creates problems. So Jimmy's used to having the ball to pick and roll, and, and he's unselfish. He'll make the right pass usually for the most part every time. And But when he wants to go pick and roll – and your your best player is probably Joel, who who's like, bro, I'm not coming to set up. Like, give me the ball on the block, yeah, right. you know? So it, it, it creates a conflict where they're just trying to figure it out. And I think they need to figure out what type of offense that they're going to run with this three-headed monster. And, and Could they not do something basic like triangle? I feel like that would be a I, solid three I to do it. I honestly think that would be great for them because it always has Joel on the block. It has uh, guys moving and cutting, but you know the way the game's played, man. It's it's three ball or die. It's a different game now. I yeah. mean, obviously they have Reddick that helps a lot, but I think they kind of decimated their depth they when did. they when they made that trade. When you go two stars for one, it's going to hurt, and you don't have guys coming off the bench that can come in right away and be an immediate impact. And, and Covington, um, he was actually pretty valuable. Yeah, his, his plus his, his ESPN real plus minus numbers mm-hmm. are huge. You guys are probably getting sick of me talking about the the plus minus <laughs> shit, but t- to be honest, it I, he the numbers are really good. He, he shoots the three ball well. I think mm-hmm. he's a just a good glue guy, and I think mm-hmm. they miss him a lot. I mean, but you can't get Jimmy without giving him up. Nope. So it's how bad do you want him? It, exactly. Well, and hey, and you go back, you do that trade ten times out of ten. You like, do it every you ne- time. You never. Always. You do it every you time. Know, you do it every time. Because look at this. The way the league is now, you have to have stars. You have like to. a small market team like Utah, we want them to win so bad. You know, they have, they have, they have. I would say, a top three coach. He's, he develops his players. But at the end of the day, head-to-head, talent will trump you, you know, mm-hmm. especially in a series. Mm-hmm. So yep. you got to have – well, I guess the real tricky thing – is getting these personalities, you got three stars, getting them to gel, getting one of them to swallow their pride, mm-hmm. to go, hey, you know what? We are better when we go through Embiid in the post. Who's willing to sacrifice? You know, but that's also a lot to ask out of a $20, $30 million guy. And, and Jimmy's got to remember, he's still trying to get a max. Like, there's no guarantee somebody's going to max him out. Yep. Like, he, I think he's averaging, what, 18, 20 right now? That's Low yeah. for him. It is, but he's That's also not get, getting the touches that. Now, he now would granted, like. it's they're going to win more games and blah blah blah. But hey, man, when we talking 180 million, 150 million, they're like, bro, your, your stats are down. Right. What 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 can he say to that? Well, I got these two guys with me. No. No, your stats are your stats, bro. This is what you're worth right now. Where would he go? Where could you see him going? Because well, Jimmy's been living in L.A. For maybe the past five, incognito six years. driving around in a van, and that's serious. Yeah, that's which is not a joke. Hilarious. It's not a joke. And a I'm like, minivan. Honda Odyssey. I'm like, bro, are you an really? Odyssey. I'm yeah. like, bro, are you really driving a minivan? Stop it. It's true. It's true. He drives a minivan because he, he goes. He goes. Look, no one assumes anything when you pull up next to him in a van. Yeah. But if hey, if you're in a 
If you're in a Lambo, you're in like yeah, some stretch loaded car, you know. That's the greatest thing paparazzi. I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Honestly, going back to Jimmy's work ethic, when I was hearing about his stories, how he's so he checks into this place. So he'd go to Miami or he'd go to LA to work out. He's in there with a few of his friends that are in his inner inner circle that he trusts the most. Mm-hmm. And the rule was no cell phones, no Wi-Fi. You wake up at 4 a.m. and you work out, you go back, rest, you eat, you go back, work out. It's literally three days and four days it's at the four. gym. And if you're not if you're not with him, like if you're not with it like he is, then he'd just be like, Hey, I know we're friends, but you're not the right guy he's for this job. Home. Wow. He's in your home. So, but honestly, I have so much respect for that because I look at, yeah, hey, Jimmy, if you're listening, I'll be that guy for you. I'll be that guy. (laughs) You wouldn't last a day. Yeah, and then then you'd eat me up. You wouldn't last a day. So, but with Philly, their outlook, I mean, well, how about this? Could you see him going to, like, the Clips? Could you see him going to L.A. or? It's L.A., of course. You think that's his top destination? What about Miami? Because there were talks that. I could see Miami, too. I think he prefers L.A. because, obviously, he lives there. He knows the city. He wants to be in a warm weather city. So, if it's not L.A., I could see Miami. So, he's not coming to Utah. (laughs) We're not coming. We're about to leave Utah, man. Nobody wants to come and play hoops in Utah if they have a choice. So, hey, so why, though? Break that down. Why no one wants to come to Utah? Because you have a guy like Malone back in the day who loves to hunt and fish, and it's perfect. He likes space. But you got a guy like Jimmy, though, who, like you say, he is a little different. Loves his country music. He kind of does his own thing. It's cold here. It's cold, first off. Yeah, we get that. But it's pretty low-key. It's very low-key, but there's nothing. Like you said to... yourself, Utah, the life in is, Utah is easy. There's not much to do in Utah, and Jimmy doesn't do much, but he still wouldn't want to be here. He, he wants somewhere warm. He's But he's from Houston. He wants a bigger city. What what is the biggest drawback? Like, talk talk about that a little bit in Utah. Like, just from different guys, players you've talked to. Like, obviously Utah's a bit of a different place, but Mm -hmm. what's the biggest deterrent? Is it? And then also, what like what do you like the most about? I mean, besides you know, just everyone being friendly and just life being easy. It just depends on on your preference. Like, what what type of lifestyle are you living? If you're the paparazzi guy and you like to be on the scene and you know you talk about that place. place but if, if you're Cal Corver and you you got a wife and a couple of kids and you just want to go shoot some hoops and go home it's perfect it's safe it's not that big you don't have to worry about a whole bunch of crazy traffic so it, it, it has so, pros it's, it, it's so it doesn't cater to big personalities it doesn't, it doesn't cater yeah. to stars unless you're drafted and they breed you here then you're fine with it Gordon Hayward types I can even see Donovan stand for a while. Well, and he's one of those guys that's more humble, low-key, doesn't mm-hmm. need a lot of attention. Doesn't need a lot. Because he knows what he is. Yeah. Yeah, I got he you. He understands who he is. And he's what embraced he wants. it. He's clearly embraced. Problem is, for a guy like that, how do you draw anyone else to come out that's here? That's the hard. How do you draw anyone yeah. to come That's out why here? I was shocked PG went to OKC. Yep. But he's not the glamour. Yeah. I need the lights type of guy. Well, he's another guy. He loves to fish, like, like crappie fish. fish and chill. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what's, it is interesting. What's it like for you living here? How long have you been here? What's it been like? I've been here since 2009. I came out here initially when when Wes finally inked his deal. And um, we both just finished college. And I'm just waiting for a deal to go overseas. And uh, 
And are you and Wes just just super tight? Me and Wes just, just, just boys, best friends, bro. Hang out with each other every day in college, play video games, you know, kid stuff. And, um, like, I'm always talking to him the whole time he's out here trying out. And uh, eventually he gets in. I mean, you've talked about this story, how he gets in. And yeah. he signs this deal, and he hits me up. He's like, bro, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just still waiting, like, you know, trying to get this overseas deal. And he's like, uh... Well, I'm out here in Utah by myself. Just come out here with me, and you can just work out here with me until you get your deal. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know nobody here. Like, I can't stay out here by myself. So this is, I think, maybe Monday. On Wednesday, Wes bought me a ticket, and I was in Utah on Wednesday. <laughs> so I came out here with So Wes. worth it, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I came out here with Wes and then uh, stuck around out here for a while before I went overseas, and I ended up meeting my wife, who's born and raised from Salt Lake, so... Um, just ended up sticking around, you know, initially when we first started dating, I would go back and forth from Wisconsin to Salt Lake. Cause that's where Wes is from, obviously. And we'd work out at his house and whatnot. So, but after a while, I was just like, man, I'm done buying plane tickets. Like I'm just going to stay in Utah and, uh, been out here since man. And I, I love Utah. Utah's great. It's been great to me. The people are nice, you know? Yeah. Um, usually not here in the winter. So I, I didn't have to deal with the snow and. All that other but this is stuff, nothing but, compared to Wisconsin cold. Oh, yeah, this is Wisconsin, you cry I when still, the wind blows. I still don't have a coat yet. Like, I'm still just wearing hoodies out here, so this is a breeze to <laughs> yeah. me. And, um, yeah, I've been here 10, 9, 10 years now, and I love it, man. It's safe. It's a great place to raise a family. It's uh, Yeah, that's really what it is. When you're from a small town yeah. like where I'm from, any city's great. You know? Right. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. from cornfields and... Like we said, basketball hoops. I, but if a guy grows up in Brooklyn, you're not feeling. Utah. You can't. You can't sell him on Utah. You can't. Like, hey, Joe Johnson, for example. I remember bumping into him at the Grand America all the time because he was living out there. Like a lot of these guys will live at the hotel because they're like, "Look, I'm on a one year contract. I don't care. I don't want to have to worry about anything. I'm going to post up at the hotel." Actually, Joe actually lived out in Park City. Did he? Yeah. You might have just saw him around there a lot, but Joe every time, in, well, Joe lived in Park City, bro. Joe then, lived. then Joe lived in Park City. So, does he just rent a place? Like when you're, when you're, when you know you're short term, you're not buying a place. Like you're just renting some nice. I would think they're smart enough to know that, but you yeah. know, some of these guys, <laughs> so well, some just don't care. With right? so much money, sometimes it's you like just don't care. Look, I'm not. I'm not worried about rent somewhere. I'm not worried about... I mean, Joe made over $200 million. He's not worried about renting our... No, you know he's not worried about He probably it. bought a place. Was Joe worth that $200 million, though? In his prime? He was... No, hey, in his prime. I, I actually loved him at the tail end of his career. He was fun. I liked him. Hey, hey when that, he was hey, in Phoenix... The thing I loved about him woo. is, hey, we learned from Joe Johnson how important mid-range is. He's he just, was money. He's He knows how to use his body. He's fundamentally sound. I just, I love Joe Johnson, and when he came here that first year with the Jazz, the second year he was just maybe a little older, and then they yep. ended up, you yep. know, he ended up going to Houston, that didn't really pan out, but the first year he was with the Jazz, he was damn good. He had a freaking buzzer beater in the playoffs. Like, he was a player. Yeah. He was bucket still. He, he wasn't, yeah, no, he he was, wasn't he 30 was point buckets, but he was coming off the bench giving us a quick 16, 18. Yeah. In the clutch, making big shots. Like, he was, he was crucial for that team, man. He hey, tra- transitioning from Jimmy Butler though to Wes Matthews, and we love Wes. Hold on, hold on. one more about oh, yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah. One more about Joe. And I asked Jimmy and Wes this when they were younger, and they were both like defensive guys. Who's the toughest guy in the league to guard one on one? Yes. And you got to remember, Kobe was around. This is young LeBron. 
A younger D-Wade. So what year are we talking? Maybe like 2010-11. Okay. Okay. Both of them said Joe Johnson. Damn. And just asking them on different Why? different times. Because you got to remember, Joe's 6'9". Joe probably weighed, what, 260? Yeah, he's Dribbled big. like a guard. And you got to remember, Joe had a mean back down game. He's methodical. He would, he would put that ass on you and bag you down. Wes would say, you made me feel like a little boy when he bagged down. And when Wes is 6'5", 225, brick. He said, Joe is the hardest guy to guard. Two, That's crazy. Two guys, two different opinions. Joe Johnson. So I got a lot of respect for So Joe. I'm curious, though. If they say Joe Johnson's the toughest. Who else is up there? I didn't really ask. I, re- I didn't really I, ask, but I, I think it's obvious, Kobe. I yeah. think some of the answers are obvious. I'm, I'm sure LeBron's a th- Jimmy really doesn't struggle with LeBron because Jimmy's 6'8". He'll body him. Athletic enough. I wouldn't say strong enough, but he's strong enough to hold his own where he can't just back Jimmy all the way down. So Jimmy always tell me he doesn't have much of a problem guarding LeBron. He's he's one of the more well suited guys in the league to guard him. Mm-hmm. You Let's know, put it at that. Talk, mm-hmm. Talking to Trent the other day though about LeBron, when he just goes, the thing is you can't teach size. Can't you can't? And a guy like that, it's how do you game plan for someone like him? You can't. You can't. I mean, you 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 try to, you know, force him to his weakness, make him make him shoot, make him settle. But if he's making that shot, then you're just you're doomed. You do. Yeah, you just have to live with that. You do. So and like, and like I was telling you yesterday. Yeah. I think if you can keep the game close with LeBron, you have a chance. Because if he's up six, eight points, he's comfortable now. Yeah. All the pressure's not on him. But if he's down two, three, and hey, LeBron, we need you to make this big shot. We all know he usually doesn't make it. And I'm a LeBron stand. Like I love LeBron's my man. But <laughs> like I said yesterday, he's either shooting that step back on the left side. Or he's driving all the way to the rim, and he's trying to kick to somebody else. He he doesn't finish you off in the games like Mike, like Kobe, and that's what people have a problem with him. That's why people have a problem with him. Man. No, it's true. And, yeah, he's built differently. Like, he's not wired. Like, MJ, like we were talking about, MJ yeah. in the finals. Yeah. What was it? He averaged, what were we saying, 45? Versus, versus Phoenix, Phoenix? I think it's 44, I remember, 45. Well, there, hey, there was one of my favorite stories about MJ, though. I got to talk about this, was in that series, they lose a game at home in triple overtime, and Dan Marley went off. Dan Marley hit like nine threes. So the next game, eight or nine, something like that, the next game, MJ goes, hey, I got Marley. Mm-hmm. Marley is absolutely absent, ineffective. He holds him to four points. He's not even letting him get the touch. The Bulls are up like 13 with like a minute and a half to go. MJ comes out at the end of the game because there's a timeout called. He goes over to the Phoenix bench to their huddle and says, fuck you, Dan Marley. That's that's <laughs> something that different breed. MJ, Kobe, it's a different breed. Those are the only two. Like, yeah, Those I mean, two. and it's not like... M- yeah, LeBron doesn't have that psychology. He's not wired that way. He's more of a magic. He makes he makes like the whole team tick. But you almost have to be like have like an illness for winning to yeah. have that kind you of have a problem. You, yeah, you have a problem because you, you hear stories about MJ saying he would never even let his sisters win playing him in cards. Yeah, like they're yeah, playing Monopoly and he would cheat to win. Yeah. Like he would never lose at anything. It's a competitive 
illness. That's what it is. It's crazy. He suffers from a competitive illness, bro. He wants to win at everything, and he will kill you to do it. You know. Love that. No, I I, I love it, too. Respect. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, you know. And, um, well, hey, yeah, let's get back to Wes Matthews, though, because this is interesting. Wes Matthews, he's our guy. He's your, he's one of your closest friends. Yeah. Talk about how he is a perfect example of someone that fell through the cracks and caught all the breaks. And lots of times that's all you need to make it because there are a lot of good players that get overlooked. We're talking about Jerome Randall from Cal and how he, like that TBT tournament, he's killing everyone. <laughs> but you're like, look, he's little. He's like five, seven, five, eight. Tiny. You know, and if he's not given that opportunity, he never has a chance to shine. Sorry, I won't get this recorded. So Wes, Wes was um, Wes his senior year. I think he may have averaged twenty two. He just started off the season on fire. He was averaging twenty eight to start. I think he was second in the in the country and scoring behind like Blake Griffin or somebody like that. But he just started out on fire, and it 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 kind of, it came out of nowhere for the people around the nation. But for us, we kind of saw it coming. Like, um, that summer before, he went to LeBron's, like, wing camp. Remember back in the day when CP would do a point guard camp and yep. wing camp and big man camp? He went to LeBron's wing camp. And I just remember when he came back, he was different. Like, I don't know if it was confidence or what it was, but when he came back, he knew, like, I'm not the same as everybody else. Like, I'm, I'm here now. And his senior year, he just broke out, man, and he just lit it up and, um... They they had a really good season that year. I'm a year older in West, so I was done that year. I was just finishing up school that year, so I was around in practice and just, you know, finishing school. And um, he just was different, man. His mindset was different. His body was different. His aggressiveness was different. And um, coming into the draft, a lot of people were saying he's second round. He's mid-second round, mid-second round. And I think he was fine with that because he wanted to go. He, he was going to go out there and prove himself. Yep. So he was okay with that. And um, I remember draft night. And I'm like, what you going to do, bro? He's like, oh, I'm going to the gym. I'm like, you going to the gym? Like, we're not going to watch these. Like, nah. He didn't think he was getting picked up? Um, I wouldn't say he didn't think, but I think he was worried. You know? Because yeah. when they say in your middle second, you could easily not get picked. Yep. So he was worried. And... um. He was at home in his hometown in Madison. I was still in Milwaukee on Marquette's campus, and we're watching it in uh, in our practice gym in the aisle. And um, he's at the gym working out, just getting up shots. And I don't know what the hell he's doing, obviously, but he's telling me, like, I'm in the gym working. And he's he's texting me every 15, 20 minutes, what number are we at? All right, we're at number 13. We're at number 15. We're at, I'm just telling him, where, who got drafted? Okay, I'm just keeping him updated. And then uh, – the draft finally ends, and it's like, bro, you good? And he was like, yeah. He's like, I'm just going to keep working. And that's what he did. And uh, he played summer league with the Kings in Orlando. So what's the process like? So say you don't get picked up. So you don't get picked. What What is the game plan? Or what teams, options do you even have? Teams hit your agent and say, okay, we didn't pick them, but we like them a lot. We want to invite them to our summer league team. We want them to play on our summer league team. So he ended up playing with the Kings in the Orlando one. And I'm not even sure if he played with Utah, did he? I can't remember I if he played, he with, played the Jazz. with Utah. 
Honestly. I'm trying to remember. It was kind of a weird process because he came out of nowhere. Bro, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't play with Utah in summer league. I, I'm not sure that he did. He may not. Did he get a bunch of offers? Like, you know how many teams like rang up his agent? I mean, he had a lot of teams, but I think he went with the team that would let him play the most, which is the smartest thing to do. He played with the Kings. Who was the other team? I'm not sure who the other team was, but Good it wasn't Utah. He didn't Utah. stay with yeah. Kings. They it were wasn't so Utah. dysfunctional, man. But so after and then in summer league, he really didn't light it up. He played okay, you yeah. know. He was, I'm sure a couple of teams noted. Okay, Wes Matthews, he can shoot a little bit, play some defense, athletic. And then um, I remember he had to decide who he wanted to go to vet camp with, and it was the Kings, Utah, and another team. I'm not sure exactly, but he ended up coming in Utah because he felt like he had the best chance of making Utah's roster. And he's um, a lot of guys don't know before actual training camp starts. The guys like Wes and other overseas guys, they come out here a few weeks early and they play pickup and work out in the facilities. And, you know, the team puts them in a hotel and they're they're doing that, you know, trying to show their worth. So Wes was out here early and he's always texting me like, bro, I'm playing well in these pickup games. And I'm like, all right, well, keep balling, bro. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, uh, All right, I'm with you, bro. Ball out. And he just kept saying, like, bro, I'm playing well. Like I, and it goes from I'm playing well to, like, bro, I'm killing these boys. I'm like, all right. He was like, all right, training camp's from the start. And right when training camp starts, CJ, CJ Miles, if you guys remember him or not. Oh, yeah. CJ Miles. against CJ in high school. CJ Miles. Texas boy. Killed Texas it. boy, yeah. Dallas boy. Fort Worth. Yeah. CJ Miles hurts, hurts his foot, I believe. And Kyle was already out. Kyle Corver's already out. So their two wings at the two-guard position are CJ and Kyle. So CJ hurts his foot, and Kyle Corver's out. So now he's the only two-guard. Like, they have to sign West because we literally don't have another two-guard available. So it helps that yeah, he's playing well. Then it also helps that their two guards are hurt. So he gets this huge opportunity. And if you guys don't remember or not, Sloan's – not four starting rookies at no. all. I don't even think D. Will started his rookie year. Nope. No. Right? Maybe later on in the season. Who, was Brevin Knight playing ahead of oh, him? Probably. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so or D- Jamal Tinsley or something. Yeah, it was bad. So, um, Carlos Arroyo. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going back. Yeah. So, but he didn't have a choice because we don't have any two guards. So, West starting. And he, he's playing. He's playing pretty good. And it's like, you know, I can kind of. I remember we'd come home after games, and I'm, I'm like, bro, they're going to keep you, bro. Like, you're, you're playing well. Like, understand when the two guys come back, you may get cut. You may not. He's on a non-guaranteed up until, like, January, like, 10th or something like that. So he's a nervous wreck for four months. But um, I'm like, bro, you're playing well. Not only are you starting, like, you're killing. And you're the best defensive wing they got. By far. <laughs> By far. So eventually, Kyle and CJ come back. And we're just mentally trying to get prepared. Okay, bro, they may take you to the bench. Because, you know, Sloan doesn't start rookies. So, it's not a knock on you. It's just how he does his thing. So, we're mentally getting ready for that. And we're, and the, the day just never comes. So, Kyle's at 100%. CJ's at 100%. And Wes is still starting. And I'm like, bro, you're in here. Like, you're good. You're in. We made it. That's what we always say, bro, we made it. <laughs> and it's like... It gets to January, and when I tell you, Wes was a nervous wreck, like, sleeping two hours a night, staying up all, like, he just, he couldn't sleep, 
so nervous. And I'm like, bro, you're starting and you're killing. You're good. Like, if, if you would have went to the bench and stopped playing, then we were. And I'm like, bro, you're good. We finally get to that January 10th day, and they got to keep him at that point. And he just has a really good season. He's one of the best, probably, rookie stores of that year. Easily. He's one of the best undraft stores, probably, ever. Ever, maybe. He's up there. You know? And then um, he finishes out the season strong. We make the playoffs that year. I think we even advanced. If we advanced that year, I think we lost to Kobe in them, right? Second round? I no. can't recall. I'm trying this to think. This is 2000 2010. And, oh, oh. Yeah, 10, 11. That's back, yeah, that's back when they had. We Bi- were deep. Remember, Millsap was coming off the bench oh, that yeah. year. No, we yeah. were deep. That was Bynum and Gasol. Yeah, you had Bynum and Gasol. We got out-rebounded by 30 every game. Yeah, because yeah. we had Carlos Boozer, hey, who and, was 6'2". Yeah, and Odom, by the way. Yeah. Hey, oh, by the gosh. way. That's when they had the Monstars, bro. Monstars. Yeah, yeah. and hey. That's right. Side note, Odom. What were you saying about that? Uh, who was saying he... Kobe, right? Oh, this is interesting. I've heard that Lamar Odom used to beat Kobe a lot in one-on-one games because you got to remember Lamar Odom's a six-ten guard essentially. He has length for days, and Kobe's six-six. So I, I've heard, and one of my guys that kind of, kind of vouched was Ronnie. He said, uh, "Was Ronnie there that time?" I don't think Ronnie might have been there. I forgot who vouched for the story, but they said he used to whoop Kobe up in some one-on-one. Because you can't teach size. You can't teach size. That's why the whole thing with LeBron, it's like, look, whether you love him or hate him, that dude's a specimen. It's not fair. And it's, it's, and Odom had, had like, Odom could literally play one through five, too. Odom did everything. He bro. was so good. Odom would be perfect playing now. And also. You put him at point guard. Oh, my You God. talk about, Trent, you talk about how important diet is and taking care of your body. That's one thing I remember hearing about Odom. That dude loved candy. Awful diet. You've seen him on the he Kardashians would eat, he, eating candy. Yeah, he's on the bench eating lemon heads yeah, he and, a, like, Sour Patch Kids because he loves them. Disgusting diet. Anyways, back to Wes. I, I think that's funny, man. Yeah, so Wes uh, played well, man. Played well. And I remember that summer, during Summer League, we're in Vegas. And uh, we just went to just go hang out and, you know, party a little bit. And we're watching some of our young bucks come up to summer league and play and it's contract time and we're negotiating and uh he weren't staying in utah like he loved utah like he was like bro i'm trying to stay because he's in a great system with a great coach we just made second round of the playoffs like it's a win-win i'm starting i think initially he was asking for three years 15 million okay and it's like you know it's not a bad deal for a starter yep and I'm like, well, you'll get that. Like, that's that's nothing in Utah. Utah comes back like, eh, we'll do three years, $12 million. And we're like, what? And he's like, no, man, like, I want three fifteen. And they're like, okay, we'll go test the market. And I got to remember, he was undrafted. So right. that means he's unrestricted. First team he talked to, Portland, five years, $35 million with a $9 million signing bonus. So it actually serves him better not being drafted to get that contract. The best rather thing that than, could happen for him. Yes. Because if you're rookie, hey, if you come in on a rookie contract, you're not making remotely. That's a great point. Yep. So. It was the best thing that could have happened to him. And uh, I remember we were in the room. We're about to get ready to go out. And he's like, turn the music down. My agent's calling. So he picks up the phone. And he's like just listening. And I'm standing there like, what the fuck is he? What is he saying, bro? Like, say something. And then his mouth just drops. 
And he was like, 35 million. And we just like hugged and jumped up and down like 12 years old. Like 12 year old kids. <laughs> That's amazing. Like it, it, it's, and I'm like, it's like so surreal when you go from making, in his case, a non-guaranteed $200,000 contract to $35 million. And it's like, oh, man, it's uh, like we were just, we couldn't believe it, dude. We were there for four nights, and that might have been like the third night. And those first two nights we went out, we balled out a little bit, you know. We, yeah. But that night we got that phone call. Oh, my God. You talk about bottles, man. And it's literally just me and him. He probably bought like five, six bottles that night <laughs> for no reason. Just because he's like, bro, I'm, I'm officially a millionaire. And it was just unbelievable and i was glad i got to witness something like that because you watch somebody work that hard yeah. man and to go undrafted like i remember in college yeah, he's not entitled he's he not entitled he at all he's humble like pie. you said hey yeah. he doesn't get picked up in the draft and he's working he's like let's put in the work dude i remember his senior year honest to god story man we would go to the gym at 6 a.m and do dribbling drills with one of our coaches coach benny for an hour only dribbling because it's not going to he can't dribble he can't create his own shot that's how hard this guy works like who works on dribbling for an hour in college before class before practice all that stuff you got to deal with and this man would get up and work out at 6 a.m and just dribble and my dumb ass would go with him i'm like bro I'm a, like i'm a slasher athlete like bro i'm i don't need to be dribbling but it's like bro my bro going i'm going with you so like he, he bust his ass, man, and it, it showed up, man, twice. His second deal was $80 million. $80 million, bro. That's crazy. He's, he's going to make That's over $150 million in his career because he might catch, like, another $20, $30 million with this, this last deal he might catch. So. Hey, and we're not taking away from him that he's, a, that he's not a hard worker, but he had timing was everything, yep. had the right That's opportunity, crazy. the right system. Coach trusted him to play him. Mm -hmm. The injuries. He showed out injuries. Now, how many guys, though, Dude, how many guys don't catch a break with, that are talented? When I tell you he was borderline, like, I remember him showing me contracts for Europe and shit. Like, man, I might go overseas and take this 150. And I'm like, I'm like that's good money, no doubt. But like, dang, bro, like you're not you're not gonna make the league. And he's like, well, he's like, he, and he's like, how long am I supposed to, you know, how long yeah. are you supposed to wait? Like, you gotta you gotta keep things moving. So so to go from that to showing me one hundred fifty thousand dollar contracts on his emails to thirty million dollar contracts, eighty million dollar contracts, it's 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 a blessing. It just shows like how hard you have to work. And like you said, window of opportunity, man. If those two guys aren't hurt, he maybe don't even make the roster. Yep. So That's it, crazy, man. It's an unbelievable story, man. And, and so you're you're talking with him. You guys are super tight. You're talking oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah, I saw West this year when uh, Dallas came out. We went. Me and my wife went to the game. He hooked us up with some tickets, and then uh, we hung out at his hotel room afterwards. It was, I think it was a weeknight, so it wasn't nothing going on. So we just chilled and ate pizza and reminisced. You know. Did he like it here? Did he love Utah? Yeah. He. I told you, bro. He wanted to stay. He. But really Utah wasn't to willing to pay him what. Utah was being cheap. Well, and they could have matched, and they they decided not to, and it was. But it bit them in the ass because big time. You would have to match thirty five, and you could have just got them for fifteen. But that's Utah mo though. If you guys think back, they never want to pay guys. Yeah, they'll pay the stars. 
they don't pay the role players that you need to keep the ship moving, bro. No way. Think well, about back the then, hey, back then, was AK still around? And they're paying Listen, him big money. Big money. Mehmet, AK, Boozer, <laughs> Paul, CJ, I can Corver, hear Boozer yell, and right now. Ronnie yeah. Price, they were deep. They were when you got Paul Millsap, a perennial All Star coming off your bench, you're deep. You're deep. Like when he's a young Paul, but that just shows you how good we were. Yeah. And they let that team go to hell, bro. That that still pisses me off, man. Well, I mean, good for Wes though. Oh yeah. Make hey, making something out of nothing in Dallas, and you you could probably say he's streaky, right? He adds value. Like I know there are a lot of people that are hypercritical of him, <laughs> but I think Wes is your glue guy. Listen, let's not get it twisted, bro. Before that Achilles tear, West was top five in the league for like four or five years in Portland and three-point makes behind Steph Curry, Klay yep. Thompson, and it'd always be like Wes and like another couple of guys. But he was always top five in three-point makes, bro. Yeah, no, he, he no, was but a it, top. But injuries, though, I mean, you can only do what you can do. So that oh, Achilles sure. is bad. So did, what, did you guys talk about that at hey, all? Like, hey, what hey, was that like? And the Achilles, just so you know. That's a year. That's a yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. That's a year just, of being down. It's tough when when you're an explosive guy. He's an explosive guy. So he, he just didn't have that explosiveness. It's not it's, it's not the same. Now, I didn't think it would affect his shooting as much, but I think it has a little bit. I mean, we have to be honest, it has a little bit. He's not shooting that 45, 40 clip right. he used to shoot. Right. You know, So you just got to be honest. But um, I just think more of anything, it was mentally on Wes. Yeah. It, I think it, it kind of warmed down mentally. And then that age bug kicks in. Like, so I'm 33, Wes is 32. Yeah. So, you know, he's getting older too. But, um. And that does make a difference. You yes, got these dudes fresh out of oh, Kentucky and Duke it. that, but, you know, at the older you get, the smarter you the become, smarter you get, and yep. you learn to conserve your energy, yep. and you pick your battles, right? Like I haven't seen Wes dunking forever. Wes is like, bro, I'm not dunking no more for what? Like, there's no point no more. Like, he, you got to remember, he was really athletic his first year out here in uh, Utah. He had a lot of, a lot of great highlight dunks and steals, and but that's that explosiveness, man. That's that age as well. But he's still doing all right for himself. He can't complain right now, man. Utah, no, the Jazz saved his life. You know, he's probably still a Jazz fan. I wouldn't say all that. <laughs> I wouldn't say all Sloan that. Sloan fan. He rocks for Sloan. Yeah. He rocked for Sloan heavy because Sloan rocked with him. So, he, you know, it, it's a respect factor. He rocked with Sloan a lot, man. What's a guy like Wes think about a, a D-Will? Well, and, and like because oh, that, that's actually an interesting <laughs> dynamic, right? Because D-Will, oh. I hear more stories about him putting time in on the golf course. Oh, he's a nice golfer. I mean, he's... Listen, I've been to D. Will's house. What's that, uh, his house out here, actually? Promontory? He has that thing in his house where it's like the big old huge projector screen. Golf simulator. He has that in his house, bro. Like, D. Will is legit golfer. Like, it's serious. It's serious. So what what was Wes's take on playing with D. Will? Oh, man, y'all trying to get me in trouble, bro. Y'all trying to get me in trouble. Man. I mean, that, our, his rookie year. He re- he respected D Will because that was All Star. That was D Will's prime. Prime D Will, where who's the best point guard in the league? D Will the CP. Yep. So that's that D Will. So he couldn't say much. Isn't it crazy we even but, had that discussion? That's insane. That's insane. Where now it's like, wow, D Will ate himself out of the league. But anyways, continue. So 
back, even back then, though, even if it's all star D Will, blah blah blah, Wes would always say, "Bro, D Will's a pussy, bro." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Bro, he doesn't have any fight. Like, he wants everything to be easy every time." I remember him telling me one story. I don't know who they were playing, but D Will's getting he's getting cooked. Like one of those point guards are tearing him up, and Wes said D Will come to the hole like, "Yo, where's my help?" And Wes is like. Like, change your mindset. Like, we from Marquette, bro. Our, our our theory was, I don't need no help. So, he's like, bro, like, like, just man up and guard your man. Like, we gonna help if you if we can, of course. But, like, just man up. Like, fight, bro. Like, he coming at you, fight. And he just felt like D-Will never had that fight in him, bro. Yeah. He wanted everything to come easy, man. So he hmm. he definitely didn't like D Will that second stint in Dallas. He did not like him at all. He oh, D Will checked out. So as far oh, as far man. as he like stand him. But, yeah. But when you don't when you struggle with a guy like that off the court, personality. I mean, how does that affect you in the locker room? I mean, because you got a ball dominant point guard like D Will, right? But I remember D Will was still averaging eight nine assists that year, so it wasn't like he wasn't giving it up. Like, he was still keeping guys involved. But is that why Wes kind of looks at it like, well, I got to keep the peace. This is our point guard. Or no. did they battle and go at each other? I'm pretty sure they battled a little bit because that's just, that's just the culture we came from. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to get after each other. And when it's all said and done, we're off the court. It's always love. Some people don't come from that culture. Some people don't understand that culture. So it's they may take it personal. But I think Wes had a – a great respect for D. Will. It just felt like D. Will needed a little bit more dog in him, you know? Yep. So, well, they... <laughs> Sorry, interrupt, but going back to the CP debate, mm-hmm. that's the big difference oh, is CP3 wanted to have, wanted to kill you on every possession. Every... He wanted to win every second of every game. And D. Will had some fight, but nothing Man. probably near what CP3 had. D. D. Will had the tools. That's what kills me. He did have the tools. He knew how to use his body. But it's the difference is, yeah, it, he kind of had that Randy Moss. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose when I'm gonna play. Like Look, I'll decide when I wanna. I've go all out. Played with D. Will, and when I tell you that that handle was insane. That that crossover was so fast, and he was so strong and like so low to the ground. He put that shoulder in you. Oh my. Nothing. You were hopeless. And I'm 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, you put that shoulder on my chest, you're gone. You bounce back and he shoot the layup. And let's be real. Like, it was a real debate for about two or three years. Legitimate. Yeah. It was legitimate. Who was better? It, I mean, I was biased. I was I was a D-Will fan. Well, it wasn't D-Will picked. He was picked third and CP was fourth. Yeah, or second. I think the Jazz traded up. No, 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 because hey, remember, Marvin Williams was Marvin big. Williams was went two. Two, to Atlanta. Yeah. Good yeah. call, good call. So. But the Jazz did trade up, I want to say, to get D-Will from like six to three or something. But yeah, so it was always a debate. But those three years, it was a real debate. Oh, man. I mean, they both were on the That's got to kill a guy like Wes, too, when he's out there to kill and get better. And you have someone that just seems uninterested. Oh, yeah, it... it... I mean, that's got to be deflating. I'm telling you, that's our culture, man. Like, it's it's the Marquette Tom Crean culture, bro. Like, even here, remember, you remember like two weeks ago, you was like, bro, you're too mad. Like, calm down and no, just I'm, hope, I'm, remember? I'm, yeah, I'm like, too mad. Hey, look, we're playing pickup, <laughs> and three, two of these guys on our team are just happy to be here. They're just like, 
The fact that we even let him run with us, they're thrilled. And you were pissed. Dude, I kicked but, my water bottle. Yeah, he kicks his water bottle. I mean, it was one of those where it, you have a guy on your team you can't hide, right? You just can't, you can't hide him. He gets exposed. We lose. And I'm like, hey, it's, I'm like, it's all right, we'll bounce back. And Trent wasn't letting it go. But uh, that, you know. But that, that's the culture, that's man. It's got to be It's got to be like that. That's the culture. And, and hoops is not fun if it's not competitive, it's right? It's not, bro. It's like, hey, play video games, do something else if you're just trying to chill. But hoops is not the game to just mess around with, and you know? I, and I say that to say this. When we were talking about Wes, he's still the same way. Like, they played the Jazz. I'm at the game, and obviously they're going to lose. And I'm like, bro, y'all, y'all are pretty shitty this year. Like, what is... What is the expectation? But he's like, bro, I don't care. Fight. Like, just compete. Like, I can respect if we compete. Like, our team's so up and down and nonchalant sometimes. It kills me. And I'm like, bro, you you haven't changed. Well, <laughs> you haven't changed, and, bro. and you think about it, they're led by a couple rookies. Yeah. One, which they're talking about, they want to trade right now. Do you guys hear about that? Yes. There's somebody who's on a trade block. Yeah, but I could understand that. I think you hit your wagon to Doncic, man. He's a special kind of player. I mean, he's not any more athletic. Trent, you're twice the athlete he is. That dude, and maybe this is because he's been playing pro ball since he's 14, 15. Yeah, there you go. But his basketball IQ, like, he'll catch you cheating. He ex- Like, if you get, you open the door for the floodgates, he's going to take it. He, I mean, that's the difference between him and Smith. Dennis Smith Jr., where Dennis Smith Jr. is a freak athlete, but doesn't know how to pick his spots, super athletic, doesn't really know how to create for himself in the NBA because it's not college. NC State, you can get away with that. NBA, everyone's bigger, more athletic. There's not as much space on the floor. You know, I just feel like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, I like, I like Mm -hmm. getting this perspective from Trent. Because it's how it is. We don't just assume. And with this podcast, we're going to try to always keep it, you know, we're going to try to keep it as real as possible and not just have fans get on here and say what they think. (laughs) Because obviously, you're probably surprised with a few of the things that Trent's saying. Like Lamar Odom and Kobe. Yeah, sorry. Fanboys would never, ever even consider that. They wouldn't believe it. It's a ghost story to them. So, hey, let's let's wrap this one up. We got Trent with us. Again, Trent, thank you for coming out, giving us the inside scoop on your boy Jimmy Butler and Wes Matthews. Um, it's always fun, man. Man, I appreciate it, bro. Uh, anytime, man. You know me. I, I talk hoops all day, every day. I hate seeing you in the locker room sometimes when I'm about to head home because we'll sit down to get to talking hoops and – 45 minutes Can't go stop. by, and I'm like, Jordan, bro. <laughs> Can't stop. So, like I said, man, anytime, man, I appreciate y'all. This is fun. This is dope. I hope uh, I hope you guys' fan base grow and grow, and hopefully and in we're a gonna few get, years we're gonna get be a big-time podcast. We're going to get Trent on here as often as we can. Oh, hey, this is our first guest, and, uh, yeah, he will, he will be coming back for sure. For sure, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys.